Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. We are in a series of messages that we've entitled Home, Marriage, and Family. And uh, this is part two. Now, the fourth part is coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, Dan Seaborn's going to be here for that. And there's going to be an opportunity in the service, if you're married, to renew your vows. Uh, you can do it where you're seated, or you can get special seating if you're interested in that. Well, we're going to be talking, at least beginning, we're going to talk a little bit about marriage. And when I think about marriage, I kind of think it's like the Olympic figure skaters. They practice a lot. And when we see them, it all looks great. But how many of you know they fell like 10,000 times? And they get back up and they go again. And they get back up and they go again. The idea that you're going to fall in love, you're going to marry somebody, and then there's going to be no conflict is actually funny. Let me give you a little bit from the Bible here. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse 28. But married people will have a hard time. <laughs> I've never seen that on anybody's refrigerator. It is nevertheless true. Another, another, another uh, translation, same verse. <laughs> Marriage will bring extra problems. <laughs> and it really does. See, when, before we got married, we were in Bible school. I'm living in an apartment. There's one other guy in there. He pretty much goes his way. I go my way. Man, went to classes, read my Bible. I was reading 20 chapters in the Bible every day, prayed for four hours a day, studying. And honestly, I thought I was like really spiritual. And then I got married. <laughs> and about two months later, I thought, God, I backslid. I mean, what's wrong with me? I was praying and, and I said, God, you know, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I felt like he said to me, I said, God, uh, you know, this is such a mess. He says, you were always a mess. You just didn't know it because you did what you want, when you wanted, with whom you wanted, how you wanted. But when you get married, hello, you lay down your life. You are laying down your life. And there, there are sacrifices that are made. In fact, to men, it took the Ephesians chapter five says to love your wife like Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. You know, it's a matter of laying down your life. And, and when you're single, you can think you're really spiritual, but if you get married, you will find out. <laughs> In fact, somebody said it this way. Marriage, God did not design marriage to make you happy. God designed marriage to mature you. Ho, ho. <laughs> so so uh, I thought I might get a few more comments, but, but it, it is very, very true. When we talk about marriage being work um, and it's good work. Uh, tough times and all that, being single is work too. I mean, <laughs> just you look and life in general is work. It's, it would be work to be a hermit. You know, you have hard, hard times whether you're, whatever your situation is. Um, it, this is not heaven yet. And there's a lot of, um, yeah, there can be trouble in every aspect of whatever your situation is. But one of the reasons why marriage 
is a lot of work is because you're not doing it alone. And marriage is, a marriage is built, and you ask any builder if he just snaps his finger and the building just appears. No, he's got to lay a foundation, and there's, there's just a lot that goes into building a real good and beautiful, sturdy, um, able to provide years of service building. And it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes daily choices. We build, basically, you build your relationships with decisions, mm -hmm. with the choices that you make. Uh, and relationships were made by God with God. And he, he intended for um, all of our relationships to be tied up with our relationship with God. It's to be a part of that. And so that's basically why we often have the struggles we have is because we're trying to do it um, without God's instructions, with just our feelings or, what, or sometimes the ideas that the world has given us. And, and we struggle because it's God's way that works, and our flesh's way just doesn't usually cut it. <laughs> yeah. In the early 1970s, many of you will not remember this, but there was a movie that came out, very, very popular, called Love Story. And kind of like the big theme of, this, of, the, of the movie was that love means you never have to say you're sorry. Let me just tell you something. That's stupid. <laughs> because, because you are going to say you're sorry so many times. Because you, you, you say, but what am I sorry for? You don't even know how many mistakes you've made. In fact, every man should probably, if you're married, I want you to turn to your spouse and if you have somebody, you know, who you're really serious uh, about and, and uh, heading towards marriage, why don't you just turn to him and just say, I'm sorry. If you're just sitting get, next get, to your enemy, to you should say you're sorry, too. And, and you say, why am I doing that? Oh, there are so many reasons. There are so many things that you have done uh, that you shouldn't have done or things that you should have done that you have not done. One of the things that... Uh, really happens when you get married. Now, the, the Bible says the two become one, but it's, it's like you get married and you decide which one you're going to become. Because there's a, there's a lot of gelling together. In Proverbs 6.23, it says this. It says that the reproofs of correction are the way of life. The reproofs of correction are the way of life. The truth is that when we get married, as a man, I do not understand many of the needs that she has. And as a woman, she does not understand many of my needs and expectations. And so what happens as we're going along, she's uh, correcting me. Now, by the way, the reproofs of correction is when somebody who loves you says, hey, this is what you did, but this is how you could do it better. That's the reproof of correction. And that's hard. Yeah. It sounds really sweet when, oh, yes, I just am spiritual and I'll receive correction. It's really easy. Oh, yeah, just correct me. I'll receive correction. It is not nice <laughs> when somebody interrupts what, the way you're doing it and says, you're doing it wrong. You know, you could do this better. Um, it's just, it doesn't matter how sweet you are. I bet it's not good, easy for you. And I learned uh, there's something about correction that helps if you expect correction to be connected with displeasure and rejection, then you're going to always be running from it. You're always going to be reacting in, in a hostile way if, if you're corrected. You have to be able to see and understand that 
love and correction go together. Mm-hmm. And, and that is essential because, you know, it's a hard, it's like taking, uh, putting sugar with your bad taste in medicine so you can make it go down. Just a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. That's it. I knew I heard that before. Um, but the, the understanding the love that he is for me. Okay, I didn't like what he said. I didn't, I didn't want to be wrong. Uh, but, um, yeah, I need to, he knows, he loves me, so he knows that I probably need to hear this. And that is essential, if we're going to receive correction, to understand that it can come package. And if you have been corrected in a hostile way, uh, with a wrong spirit and in a wrong way, um, you need to recognize that, you know what, that was... That was not God's way of giving or receiving correction. That's in my past, and I'm not going to bring that into my marriage today or into my other relationships. Um, and I'm not going to do that with my children, uh, correct them with that. I'm going to understand that love and correction go together. The Bible actually says this. That if you correct a wise person, they'll love you. They'll love you. If you correct a fool, they'll hate you. Now, my grandparents, in fact, my dad also, came over on the boat in 1928 from, from the Netherlands. And uh, grandpa and grandma never really did get a really good handle on the English language. In fact, when grandma was uh, 89, and you go and see her, she still couldn't say fish. She said, you want fish sandwich, fish sandwich. And, and a lot of the grammar just wasn't that good. And I grew up around that. And when we so got, when we got married, and here he's going to be a teacher and preacher, and he's using these words that like curdle me. <laughs> and, um, I grew up with an English teacher aunt, and we had, yeah, just I didn't have that same language around, and and so I boldly said, "Would you like to learn how to speak better English?" Because. <laughs> um, then maybe well, I could course. help you. Of course. And he thought, yeah, you know, if I can, and, and I, there was, you know, you use this root word, um, uh, you, you don't say it this way, and, and th- this is the proper way to say it. Um, I could say one thing, and you'd all like, oops, and then we'd all be nervous about saying it. Um, but when you say, I did, I ran well. I didn't run good. Good is an adjective, and it describes a, a thing, not I an I still action. haven't got that one down. She's and, still and, correcting And me. well, <laughs> you can run well, sing well, dance well, and do something well, and, and you can be a good person. Anyway, so I, I'm going through these different, a few of these different words, and, and he says, yeah, I'd like that. But the first few times, you know, when I correct him, you could just feel him go... I don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, it just it bristles you, and and then he's like, yeah, but I agreed to, I agreed that I was going to learn to do this better, um, and so, and then he has the great satisfaction of catching me making the same mistake. <laughs> but you said it, and so it 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 comes and goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, been, it's been said that your, your marriage is no better than your communication. 
And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you how, our, how we kind of got together. And uh, I, I'm not recommending what we did. Say, all these single people, I'm not recommending this. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Uh, we were in the same prayer meeting for about four months. And then we had our first date on May 1. I told her I loved her May 3. I asked her to marry me May 5. We got married May 10. No, no not, not really. <laughs> no, no, that's not. The, only the last part's not true. Okay. So, so uh, we, we didn't do a lot of the things that a lot of couples do before they get married and really get to know each not other. like getting to know each other. <laughs> so so uh, across from her apartment, there was a little park, and she said, oh, I want to cook you a meal. And I thought, great, you know, I loved eating. And I've eaten all over the world. You know, in South America, we, we eat uh, guinea pigs. And in Africa, I mean, I eat even about everything you can think of. And but you have to and, know, he didn't eat all those strange foods until after I prepared and <laughs> him for doing that with my own but, cooking. So, so she prepares this meal and brings it across the street to this little park and we're at the picnic table. And, and I said all that to say, I like almost everything except biscuits and gravy. And her family were Kansas farmers. And they had biscuits and gravy. My dad and it was her dad's favorite thing. So what did she fix me? Biscuits and gravy, of course. <laughs> so you said, what'd you do? I ate them. And she says, how was it? I said, oh, very good. I lied. <laughs> I lied. I mean, this is my sweetheart. I love her. I don't want to tell her the first meal that she made was terrible. That's kind of an oxymoron. The oxymoron. This is my sweetheart, and I don't want to tell her the truth. <laughs> no. So she said, would you like more? I said, no, 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 I'm full. I'm full. <laughs> okay. So everything was fine. We get married a few months later. Three times a week, she'd feed me biscuits and gravy. And that's, it went, because I, I, that's because he never ate them all, and he had, I wouldn't quit until he <laughs> cleaned them all up. I, uh, I lost, when did I lose? I lost about 20 pounds. <laughs> you lost about 20 pounds, and uh, we were actually going to the doctor because we thought she was pregnant, and they said, no, you're starving. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, so, so one day... <laughs> I sit down at that table and she puts those biscuits and gravy in front of me. I think it's been two and a half months, three times every week. And I saw those biscuits and gravy and I thought, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I really did. I thought, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so I said, I hate biscuits and gravy. No, no, really, really. What he said was he, he pushed back from the table. He pushed the table and his chair scoots back and goes, ah! Hey, biscuits and gravy. <laughs> and she says, but you said you liked them. I said, I lied. I lied. I lied. And I cried. <laughs> so uh, our, our communication did not start out really very well. No. Now, see, that's part of the story was that I didn't think we had very much money. Uh, we were, we were students and he wasn't working and, and I didn't want to be one of those kind of wives that, you know, just 
spent all her husband's money. And I know when we got married, I gave him all of me, $100 and a bicycle. <laughs> that's, that's what I had. And um, so I just assumed, you know, he gave me all of, but I never asked him what he had. And so that's my fault. She never no, asked. I never asked. But so we're going to there and I'm feeding him biscuits and gravy because that was cheap. <laughs> and, and he was very cheap. He didn't want to <laughs> spend money. So I thought he didn't have Dutch. very much. And Dutch. Anyway, come the, towards the end of the year, we're getting Can ready to go this? on the mission field. How many of you know what the Dutch bird says? Cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. All you Dutch people, I love you. I'm Dutch. Please don't be offended. Okay. okay. <laughs> so we get to the end of the school year and we're going to go on the mission field. And so... Partly why I didn't think we had very much money was because, well, when he sold his motorcycle to get married, and then the car, the starter didn't work very well, so he always had to, we had to park on an incline so that um, we could get the car rolling, and I'd be in my long dress and high heels and pushing behind, and he'd be um, on the side with the door open, pushing, and once it got rolling, he'd hop in, pop the clutch, and come back and pick me up. so, so we knew we, we probably shouldn't take that car to the mission field with us to get something better. And he was going through the shopping and in the newspaper looking. He says, you know, I think we ought to get a, a Ford van. And then if we do need to, we're on the mission field and we need a place to, we could even live in the van if we needed to. So that was real practical. And um, so... I'm thinking, wow, how are we going to do this? I mean, this is going to take a lot of faith. You know, we're going to believe God. We're Bible school students, and we're going to believe God, a miraculous provision for a van. And, and so, okay, honey, how are we going to pay for this? And he looked at me like, oh, we'll pay cash. <laughs> cash? You have cash? <laughs> you have cash? <laughs> I had been trying. I had been not eating a donut and not drinking an orange juice because they cost 10 cents <laughs> to save money. And, oh, and you have money? And then he says, yeah, I have enough to pay for that, and then we can, um, uh, we'll have enough to live off of for a couple months, and the Lord will provide. But anyway, I'm just like, whoa. So we did not communicate. We did not talk. <laughs> he, he was not telling. I was not asking. So nobody knew anything. We just really didn't know anything about each other. And, and so we had a ways to go. But And when we first got married, Jeannie just really did not want conflict. Right? And so she just wouldn't speak up. And she wouldn't disagree. But, but may I just say, she has changed. <laughs> I can kind of remember when it happened, but believe me, it happened. <laughs> well, I just had an opinion, and he didn't think I ever had. Well, he would ask me, he says, like, where do you want to go out to eat? And I'd like, wow, you know, maybe Chinese would be good. Okay, we're going to go to uh, the Mexican restaurant. I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so it, I just was very, very overly cooperative, and, and he began to think that his opinion was my opinion. So just whatever he wanted. And, and it's we not. Had a, we had a lot to learn because I did have an opinion. <laughs> yeah. And now he knows. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. And again, the expectations and the needs of a man and a woman, they're very, very different. And not understanding that, 
particularly when you first get married, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of conflict that's good as you come together. What we need to understand is the trouble, the conflict, the difficulty is an opportunity. And if we see it as, oh, this isn't just trouble mm-hmm. and, and, and he's not perfect and, oh, my, maybe I married the wrong one or something. The bumps in the road, those kind of um, obstacles and the differences that you have are opportunities to be more Christ-like, to grow in your relationship with not just him, but with God, saying, God, you know what? I need more help to yeah. love this man <laughs> like you love us. I need wisdom to understand this woman. I, you know, we need, we need God's help. And, and I love, I love, love the scripture in Proverbs 10, 29 that says, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright. And if you remember that verse, that will help you in these situations where you're thinking, oh man, my flesh really wants to just react this way, but um, I think God would have me, you know, forgive and forget and get over it, and then we choose God's way. Um, can I tell the story here? Sure. Can I tell the story? Whatever you want. I wanted to hear him say that. Give <laughs> <laughs> me permission. So um, when... It's, it's, easy to, to, it's easy to love someone that just cooperates with you all the time and does whatever you want. You have no That's why it's easy for you single people to, um, it seems easier because you love yourself. And if yourself makes a mistake, you just like, oh, I forgive you. You can get over it. <laughs> and um, so, but then in the, the marriage, there's the differences. And so we had this one time where... Um, we, we'd go running together, and Dwayne likes to. Sl- he would always slow down on the uphills. I hate hills. And and that's when I would like to lean into it and just charge up to the top. So when we were running together, that didn't work very well. It was hard for him to. He'd grow. He couldn't. Yeah, we just weren't going the same speed. And so he'd <laughs> let me know very clearly, if we're going to run together, you need to run with me, and uh, not you know. In his mind, he was thinking, she's beating me, she's competing. I never thought competition. So one, way I ex- one day I explained it to him. I said, you know, if I ever get ahead of you, it's not that I'm trying to beat you. It's trying, I'm just trying to give you a chance to check out my backside. <laughs> I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> and so there was this winter uh, day when we had gone out running and they had only plowed one side of the road and it was quite deep and so we're running along that side of the road and a, a, a car was um, coming toward us and so we had to get over as far as we could off on the side and so I moved up ahead of him and we were on this hill and he's behind me and you know when you're in front it's hard to see who how fast the guy behind's going, so I'm trying to think, okay, I wonder how, you know, probably about this speed is just, well, obviously, I was going too fast, and I was getting too far ahead of him, and so when I stopped and turned around right before we turned left, there he, he was like, I've told you before, (laughs) and you have to know, this happened to be one of my sensitive days, 
Women sometimes have sensitive days where you just are just a little more touchy than other days. And I was on the edge that day, and um, he was having a barky day. And so he's like, he just barked at me about, you know, if you're going to run with me, stay with me, and don't, don't run off in front of me. And so it just hurt my feelings, and I'm trying to run and huff and puff and swallow down my tears and not, not cry and, and I'm trying to get a, a right attitude and I'm feeling just the whole thing's, it, that wasn't nice and I'm trying to think, oh, he should be nice and he wasn't nice. And, and all of a sudden, he takes my hand and he, and no, we're, we're running forward so we have the forward momentum and he takes my hand and throws me in the snow ditch. In the, in the Tell the ditch. whole story. <laughs> well, I didn't realize that a car was coming up the road behind us. I was so involved in my rejection that I felt that I didn't realize it. So he really was saving me. I saved you. But I thought he, I thought he was throwing me away. I thought, oh, he, he just, he, what would you think, ladies? I mean, he threw me away, literally. And so I get out of the snow drift and, and we get back on, and, and, uh, but I'm still feeling hurt and rejected, and he's still feeling, um, I don't know what he felt, whatever man feels in that moment. And, and so we go to turn left, and I just give up. I'm like, I'm going home. I turned around and ran home, crying the whole way, like, I just feel hurt, I feel hurt. I couldn't even comprehend that he'd saved me because, you know, I was into my sensitivity. And so I get home and, and I start washing the dishes and I'm just having one of those prayers with God that I don't think God calls a prayer. Where I just like, I'm complaining, God, he, he just needs to be nicer and, and he, is your, he is your man. He's, you're supposed to Tell him how to be nice to me. You know, I'm just going off on God and, and how when Dwayne gets home, I am going to be honest with him. I am going to tell him how I felt and what, what he did wrong. So, he, you know, and I'm just huffing and puffing and going to blow the house down. And, and then um, that something about getting the word inside your heart, sometimes it'll speak to you when you're really not asking for it. <laughs> and, and, and up comes the... Um, you know, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And, uh, you know, forgive as Christ forgave you. And, and, you know, I just like, okay, God, I, I know. And, and I got to choose your way. You know, I, I choose your way. I got to choose your way. I got to make the right choice. Okay. So I just stood there and made the decision, no matter if Dwayne never recognized that he treated me harshly, and if he never apologized or anything, God, okay, I'm laying it down right now, I, and I just forgive him, and you can have it. So Dwayne comes in the door, and first thing he did was walks over and says, I was so rude. I am so sorry. And he apologized, and, and, and we got to make off, you know, and it's just good to... It, that works. It works. But I wanted to tell you that that was really hard to make the right decision that day. But the way of the Lord is strength to the upright. And every time you choose his way, the next time it was easier to choose the right path. And the next time it's easier to be quick to forgive. And the next time it's easier to be more patient. It does. It gets better. You get stronger and stronger and stronger. Your marriage, every time your marriage you gets stronger as yeah. well. Yeah. 
So Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So when the Bible is talking about the power of words, if you look at context, it's talking also about marriage. So your words can strengthen your marriage, bring life to your marriage, or your words can kill your marriage. It can bring death into your marriage. And uh, so often, particularly in our society, we just don't think much about what we say. But let me just close with four thoughts. Number one is this, your words do not evaporate. People say that they say something and they, oh, I didn't mean that. But the truth is you already said it. And the Bible says there is that speaks like the piercing of a sword. And the words that you spoke can go right down into somebody's heart just like you put a sword in them. And then you say, I didn't mean that. Yeah, but you already put a sword in their heart. The words that you say do not evaporate. Number two, you can't sow, listen, you can't sow bad seed and reap a good harvest. You can't sow bad seed and reap a good harvest. But people believe that they can sow a bad seed and somehow pressure a person into doing something that's right. But it ultimately, when you sow bad seeds, you always reap a bad harvest. You plant corn, you're never gonna reap tomatoes. Right? You sow bad seed, you, that seed goes inside and it will produce. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me give you an example. You are just like your mother. You are such a manipulator. You know, you can't do anything right. You know, and if you don't straighten up, I'm going to divorce you. And do you know, you're so fat, you just turned me off. That hurts even when you know it. I know it's not true. I know I don't turn him off. <laughs> I know that's, that's true. <laughs> that's the truth, baby. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. No. <laughs> we do like hey. each other. Hey, but you know what? L- literally, those very words are words that we have had ladies say to us. And what the man thinks is, well, I'm going to put her down and she's going to lose weight. You know what? She might make an effort to do that, but the seed that you sowed in her heart of rejection is there and it is going to produce bad fruit, bad fruit. You can't sow bad seed and reap a good harvest. We had a a couple that listened to us talk about marriage and Wayne made some point about um, doing your best to, uh, for the other, you know, to like ladies, you know, and guys to, be, be attractive for each other, to keep yourself, um, yeah, work on keeping yourself attractive. And anyway, the guy went home and told his wife, pastor told me I don't have to love you until you lose 50 pounds and weigh what you weighed when I married you. And, you know, she was crushed, and I wished I'd have been there, and I'd have said, well, then you have to lose the 100 pounds that you have gained all the time. But, you know, sometimes 
like in his case, he didn't see what he had changed and what he had done and just, just saw her, but, but the words that he spoke, that um, he wasn't trying to get her to lose that weight. He wasn't committed to doing it with her. You know, he probably sat there and asked her for more brownies, more this, more that, yeah. and, and, you know, instead of teamwork and let's get in shape yeah. together. Yeah, and we never said, but he said that we said. Okay, yeah. number three. All right. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Right? You sow compliments, right? You're going to reap the fruit of that. But if you're sowing discord, you're sowing words that are going to put doubt and fear and uncertainty into your spouse, that's what you're going to reap. And then lastly, number four, you reap more than you sow. Jesus said 30, 60, and a hundredfold. In James, the third chapter, it says that your tongue can start a fire that will burn down an entire forest, just a spark. And it says that your tongue is like the rudder on a ship. When a ship goes into a storm, it's not the storm that determines the direction the ship is going to go. It's the rudder. And James says that your tongue is the rudder. It's the rudder. It has a disproportionate effect on your marriage because death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat its fruit. In other words, if you recognize it and you sow the right seed, you're going to reap a great harvest in your marriage. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So would you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.